Welcome to Church in the Basement, where we seek to see God more clearly and to live a life loving God and loving others. Well, hello everyone. Welcome once again to Church in the Basement and to John chapter 12. We are making quite the trek through John, the Gospel of John. Which, once again, to uh, reframe our minds, it's to uh, reveal the deity of Christ. That's the reason why uh, John wrote this account of Jesus's life. And it's very different. It lines up, but it's very different from the other Gospels. Uh, It's interesting. I was listening to a great Bible commentator from back in the day, Bob Utley, Um, I believe I'm saying his name right, but he's sort of an old school Bible commentator. And uh, he was saying it's impossible to like completely, um, perfectly line up all the gospels uh, in the most succinct way uh, because what they're there for is to, again, like we talked about last week with that idea of the Greeks uh, who came to see Jesus, they said, to Philip, sir, we would see Jesus. And it's that famous statement that really we a lot of times go to the Bible as, hey, like, what do I have to do in life? It's like a self-help book when really the goal is to see Jesus. And we talked about that all the way up to um, 2 Corinthians, right? 18, I believe it was, where it says, as we gaze on the glory of God, we are formed into his likeness and become a representation of his glory through the power of the spirit. So that dumps us off at where we are at today, where Philip then goes to Andrew and then Andrew and Philip go to Jesus. And we read through this last week, but we weren't able to unpack it in full. And it's really this amazing statement that goes on into some more stuff, but we're going to cover the first part of it this week. So we are in John chapter 12, verse 23, where it says, And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So... Philip and Andrew come after Jesus, trying to set up a meeting uh, with Jesus and these Greeks who want to meet Jesus. And Jesus makes this statement um, that's really, really quite powerful and really a simple picture to explain the gospel. Um, This is following Jesus 101. This is the most simple form Uh, the most simple concept that we need to understand, but one of the hardest for us to actually put into practice. And again, whenever we come to one of these hard 
things for us as human beings to uh, wrap our heads around and actually apply in life, that's a time where we really need to invite the Spirit of God to be a part of the process in our mind and in our heart. Now, the picture that Jesus gives, um, he lays this out first. He, he gives the context. He says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. So he's talking about himself. He's talking about what he's about to do. This glorification of God, which again has to do with the upside down kingdom. They were thinking Judas Maccabeus coming in riding on a white horse with a sword to slay Rome, and Jesus is coming in a very different way to establish a very different kingdom. He talks about this grain of wheat, and he's talking about how if you hold a grain of wheat, like if you just have a grain of wheat, it's not going to do anything. So imagine a grain of wheat in the palm of your hand, and you just let it sit there. You could stand there for hours, days, weeks, months, And that grain is not going to do anything. But if you take that grain and you put it into the earth and it dies, essentially that's what seeds do, right? They die in the soil, right? They bring forth this plant. So it establishes this life, like life in its own in the plant. But then that plant yields more life with more seeds. Not only that, but the seeds in the plant itself can be produced into nourishment to bring more life. So it's just life upon life upon life. So what is this a picture of? Obviously, it's a picture of Jesus going up on the cross to die, right? The world from the beginning, because of the fall, was in a bad state, in darkness and in death and in selfishness. So Jesus was going up to the cross to die, to, to, through this selfless act, when Jesus was the least deserving of death, he goes up and he dies in our place so that life can be produced for, for all of humanity, that as we trust in Jesus and the life that he brings, he nourishes us through the power of his spirit. Um, he fills us and the confidence of, of what he has done on the cross in defeating sin and death. Now he goes on to say, whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Will keep it for eternal life. So he's making this statement about the love of life. Now, he just went through this picture of of this, this grain of wheat. When it dies, it produces life. So he's obviously talking about a different kind of life. And it says here, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life, will keep it for eternal life. So he's talking about the life in this world, the things that maybe we want and we crave. He goes on to say, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. 
and where I am, there will my servants, my servant be also. So he's talking about the true life. Instead of following ourselves and our wants and our desires, as we talked about a few weeks ago in Galatians, that the the fruit of the the flesh is in essence the things that we want and we desire that that we think are going to bring us fulfillment, right? But really what they create are discontentment and disunity and and death and destruction in our life as we see in Galatians with the fruit of the flesh. But what what God produces is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, these things that bring true purpose and fulfillment in life. And that comes from, like we talked about last week, gazing at the glory of God, gazing at the glory of God. So as we look at Jesus as this grain, as this one who dies, how does that change the way we live? Well, first and foremost, he's calling us to die as well. And the first way that scripture calls us to die is through repentance, that we would see our sin. We would recognize our sin. We would mourn our sin. I recently heard this about the, um, the, the church is is crazy. Big C church is crazy in Korea. It's like blown up. Our, our mega churches in the United States are like mini churches in Korea. Um, it's blown up. And what uh, started this revival in Korea was there was a number of, of leaders, missionaries and leaders, like Korean leaders, as well as missionaries together, preaching the word at this event, right? They were preaching the word of God. And there came this point in this um, event, this evangelical event, where the the ones leading it, the pastors and the ministers and the missionaries became deeply convicted of their own personal sin and even publicly were declaring the sin that they had been living in and were repenting of their sin. And, and the the stories that came out of this were that as they repented, the people in the crowd started repenting. And then there was this like weeping that went on, weeping and praying for hours and hours. And as the word of God was preached and repentance happened, they would weep and pray and more people would come to know the Lord to the point that like a church of 60,000 people in Korea is not uncommon. Um, it, the, the church in Korea has blown up and this is, this is the process that we go through as Christians, that we repent of our sin, that there is this mourning period for the things um, that that God didn't create us for. This all comes from, I was just explaining to Ella the other night, uh, Ella and Addie, my daughters, that it's not this idea of this policeman, and I know we've talked about this before, this policeman in the sky that we're going to do right and wrong. And yes, there is an element to that. We can simplify that, simplify it down to that, right? We can, we can reduce it down to that. But in essence, we see in Genesis that when God created us, he created us in his image, that we would bear his image, that we would be 
those who would bear love, that we would be the image, right? We would, we would show the world who God is, that we would, we would show the world love and light and goodness and joy, what, what the trueness of being a true God-created human would look like as one made in his image. And when we do things that are hateful or selfish, those things go against God. They're in rebellion to God. And that should cause our hearts and our minds to mourn, to weep. There is gravity to those things that I I think we can see the reason why I bring up the Korean church and that Korean revival is there is obviously this deep, deep feeling of remorse and mourning when it comes to sin. And I don't see that a ton in the American church. You don't see, um, walk into a church on Sunday and see people weeping and mourning all over the place that it's this united moment of, of weeping for our sin. And this is something that is fundamental to our faith, that we would see our sin, we would mourn it, and we would do everything we could to to stay away from it, to keep our lives from being in alignment with the things that God did not create us for. And so that's the first way that we die. We die to our sin. And if you don't feel that deep remorse or see it like practically on the pages uh, of your Bible and, and feel like, wow, there's an inconsistency here, I would encourage you to read more scripture and pray more. Prayer is a huge, it's the way we interact with God. It's the way we spend time in his presence and ask the spirit to come and illuminate the things that are not supposed to be there. I, I say this prayer on a regular basis. I say, God, would you shed the things that you never intended for me to have in my life? The, the thoughts that you never intended for me to have, would you reveal those things to me so that we can work through those together so I can walk in the fullness of, of what you created me for? And that's a practice that I take on a daily basis. God, would you reveal the things that I don't even know are sin that are rooted in things? Cause I don't want them in my life. I want to be and bear your image. The, the next way that we die to our wants and our desires, it's an, not on a sin level because we've already talked about that with repentance, looking at our sin and, and moving in the opposite direction. That's the definition of repentance, that we recognize our sin and we move in the opposite direction because we want to, because we don't want those things in our life. But to live a life that is after him, he lays out in such detail, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. There have been a number of times in my life where I have clearly been called by God. Not that we have this booming voice, which is going to come up in this uh, chapter, actually. I'm excited to talk about it. But um, this booming voice coming down from heaven saying, you must go here. You must do this. We get a lot of that and, and get to see who God is through the text. And there are 
of course, clear things that, that we should be in alignment with and be participating in that are in Scripture. I say it's not a how-to book, but a who-is book, but there is a lot of how-to in here, but we need to approach those things from the perspective of who God is, right? Um, and so there's a lot, you can find a lot of the right track within Scripture, and also the leading of the Spirit of God, that as you're called through Scripture, like clearly the Great Commission, to spread God's love, that as we gaze on God's, God's image, His glory, that we go and we show that glory, we explain that glory to others. And part of that laying down your life and laying down your wants and desires is to go where God calls you. And I think there's this lingering thing of calling, right? Where people go, I don't know where I'm called yet. Every time I have been called somewhere and moved in a direction in my life where God has clearly been leading it, it has been just that, that God has been very clear. If you're not clear on it, I always encourage people, ask for confirmation because God will give it. He will open the doors. Um, a lot of times when God God is calling me and my family to places, he will even close doors. And closed doors are a very, very clear form of communication. But we go where God is calling us to go. We go where God is. We go where he is leading. And that's through a number of different things, opportunities. Um, maybe you do hear the audible voice of God. I don't, I, I don't know. Maybe it's a, a, impression that this might be the right direction. And again, that needs to be backed up with the spirit of God and the word of God, that it all needs to be in alignment. And, and through that, we get funneled into the calling that God has for us. Remember wherever you go, like there isn't this crazy pressure that like, man, you're going to, you're going to end up in the wrong spot. Um, because wherever you go, you are a dwelling place for the Lord, that you bring the spirit of God wherever you go. And God is all about um, working through you as a vessel of love and light wherever you go. But God does guide us in life. And when we follow him, sometimes it seems like it's a place that maybe we shouldn't be. Like we see great examples of this, like Jim Elliott, right? Jim Elliott and four of his friends um, went to a place, uh, what is it, the Warani tribe down in Ecuador, where this Warani tribe was, was causing big problems for the Shell Oil Company, that they were trying to get oil from that area, and they had established this, this oil rig. And the Warani tribe came in and actually like slaughtered everybody on the oil rig, which is crazy, as well as the other tribes um, in the area who tried to make contact with them. Some of the tribes around had, like the gospel had been preached in these other tribes, and these tribes came in to share the gospel, and the Warani tribe actually killed them. So it's this very violent tribe in Ecuador and Jim Elliott and a number of friends, this is years ago, I, I think over 60 years ago, um, just felt 
called to bring the gospel to this very violent tribe. So what did they do? They flew over and they started dropping gifts uh, through baskets. And then when gifts were returned, they figured, okay, this is safe enough to to go down. So they land on the beach. They have two two of the ladies come out and they have this really peaceful dinner um, with these guys. These guys who who feel called to this violent tribe in Ecuador. Like this seems very counterintuitive. This is upside down kingdom 101. Very counterintuitive. I'm going to go to this violent um, tribe and bring the gospel to them, right? That sounds extremely dangerous. So they have this peaceful dinner with these gals. And then the next time they go and they think it's going to be the same thing, uh, these other gals come out and then all these these men with spears come out and spear them to death. These men were uh, the Jim Elliot and the friends, they were even armed, but they didn't pull their guns because they were there to bring the love and the light of Jesus. And because they laid down their life through the example of who Jesus is, they laid down their life it set a foundation and the family members of these guys continued to go down. And now the gospel has penetrated the Warani tribe and there's many of them are Christians now and follow Jesus. And this story is told to encourage missionaries and just followers of Jesus in general. Like this story is told and it's famous Because these guys, Jim Elliott and friends, were willing to lay down their life, just like the grain. And again, this comes from seeing the example of what Jesus did on the cross. This grain of wheat that can produce much fruit, not a little fruit, but much fruit. Now, practically, what does this look like? Am I asking you to find a violent tribe, just like John John Allen Chow, who who recently was shot, trying shot by arrows, trying to reach one of these tribes? I would say you need to to sit down with the Word of God and the Spirit of God and pray through where you're called, where God is leading you to go, where God is guiding you to go, to share the good news of who Jesus is that you would follow him where he is, where Jesus is, where he's leading you, that you would be also, that you would be that servant who would be also. And I, I can't tell you exactly where that is because God has led me in my life to places that I, I know people who have who love Jesus and have been walking in his way wouldn't, wouldn't dream of going to those places because it's not where God had, had called them. Um, God has created you for a very specific plan and purpose and a very specific way, um, to bring his light and his love. And, and as we gaze on God and his glory that he shapes and guides where we need to go, why we are going there, he solidifies those things in our hearts. So my ask would be, would you ask God that question? Um, and maybe assess where you're at in life. Um, I've got a friend who had been working in like ministry circles for, 
for a long time now. And now he's working in this place where he's able to work with a specific type of youth with uh, specific troubles at home. And he feels so fulfilled. Whereas before he would be like, man, I just kind of want to take a day off from work. He was sick recently and he was like, I have to get better. So I have to, so I can go in and be with these kids and love on these kids. And it's a powerful testament to like, when you are where God has called you to be, it brings so much life and so much purpose to your own life, let alone those who God is pouring through you to. So would you ask that question, God, where am I at? Am I following you where you are calling me to go? Is there any shift or change that you're calling me to? Would you lead me in your word? Would you lead me through your spirit? Would you lead me in your love to where you have created me to be right now in this season of my life? Let's do that together this week. I love you guys. Uh, We'll talk again next week. I'm looking forward to it.